everyone. Welcome back to Generation Invincible, a podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by a millennial for millennials, and anyone else that cares about the health and social problems facing our nation. I'm your host, Abigail Miller. Nothing I'm about to say should surprise you. You probably saw this coming before you even read the title of this podcast, which references Donald Trump's claim during the second presidential debate that he's a gentleman, so he's going to let Hillary Clinton answer first. Before I continue, I should warn you all. This episode contains some information about sexual assault and violence that may be triggering to survivors. And if you think that a trigger warning for sexual assault survivors is silly or overly PC, please keep listening. If you have not heard the video that was released this week of Trump talking about grabbing a woman, please take a pause and listen to it. On principle, I do not say that one word that everyone is thinking I'm missing here, and also I'm pretty sure that I'm supposed to be clean on this podcast, at least for the most part. The recording, obtained and published by the Washington Post, is from a day when Trump made an appearance on the soap opera Days of Our Lives. Trump is talking to Billy Bush of Access Hollywood. And in short, Trump asserts that since he's a celebrity, he has the power to do whatever he wants to whatever woman he wants, regardless of any reciprocated interest from the woman. You want to know another way to describe that situation? Sexual assault. Some people are criticizing Trump for the vulgar language because it's not presidential. And that's definitely true. But it's also not the real issue here. The real issue is that he, in at least one case, and many more that we see are coming out with this revelation, used his power as a celebrity to force himself on women, to assault them. In his words, quote, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. Well, I feel like I need to go rinse my mouth out after repeating his words. And most people really do think that he did it. According to a new poll from ABC and the Washington Post, 7 in 10 voters think Trump probably did make unwanted advances on women. This is the man that some Americans and some Russians want to be our president, the leader of our country, the mouthpiece of our country. And this is far from the first horrible thing he said about women, although it may be the worst publicized thus far. I'll give you a few examples. When citing the statistic of unreported rapes in the military, he said, quote, What did these geniuses expect when they put men and women together? In Trump's book called How to Get Rich, he says, quote, It's certainly not groundbreaking news that the early victories by the women on The Apprentice were, to a very large extent, dependent on their sex appeal. So basically, women who want to be successful rely on their sex appeal. That's cool. He said that female reporters have to be beautiful to be successful. He has said that pumping breast milk is disgusting, a statement that has not been disputed by his attorney. He reposted a tweet that said, quote, If Hillary Clinton can't satisfy her husband, what makes her think she can satisfy America? I'll end this litany with the time that the New York Times columnist Gail Collins called him a financially embattled thousandaire in one of her columns. So he sent her a copy of it on which he circled her face and wrote the face of a dog all over it. 
Now you may be thinking, well, he released an apology. First of all, I truly hope that our next president is not someone that subscribes to the idea that it's easier to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Sure, it applies in some situations, like when I used to borrow my sister's clothes without asking because I knew she would eventually forgive me. Well, America, I really hope that you do not give this man forgiveness for his words. Partly because his apology was so fake that I can't believe anyone bought it. I'm going to give you a clip of it just to listen to the way he speaks and how obviously scripted it is, without any meaning or sincerity to his words. I've never said I'm a perfect person, nor pretended to be someone that I'm not. I've said and done things I regret, and the words released today on this more than a decade-old video are one of them. Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect who I am. I said it. I was wrong. And I apologize. I've said some foolish things, but there's a big difference between the words and actions of other people. Bill Clinton has actually abused women, and Hillary has bullied, attacked, shamed, and intimidated his victims. So anyone can tell how disingenuous these comments were, aside from the fact that he didn't really apologize. He said that this behavior was actually very normal, that it was locker room talk, and he's sorry that anyone was offended. But I'm not an expert in linguistics. However, Edwin Battistella is. Vox recently interviewed the linguist from Southern Oregon University who authored, sorry about that, The Language of Public Apology. This guy is literally an apology expert. He points out that Trump places the burden of his words on other people when saying, if anyone was offended, rather than taking responsibility for the words. Instead of doing so, he normalized an extraordinarily degrading kind of banter and attempted to deflect the attention to a rival public figure in Bill Clinton. A serious apology would have directly referenced the content of his words. Weirdly enough, it doesn't really matter either way. According to the same poll I referenced earlier, the impact of the tape on the likelihood of voting for Trump was also polled. Of the total number of likely voters polled, 64% said that it wouldn't make any difference about their likelihood to vote for him. Now, we can assume that this also includes people who weren't going to vote for him in the first place. But when we look at the statistics of Republicans versus Democrats and Independents polled, only 13% of Republicans reported it makes them less likely to vote for Trump, compared to 55% of Democrats and 38% of independents. Let's think about what it means that vulgar comments about sexual assault from a presidential candidate can actually be written off with a fake apology and claims of locker room talk. While many of you have probably assumed my political affiliation, I want to continue this podcast from a more neutral perspective, or at least as neutral as I can be when talking about gender inequality and sexual assault. On Saturday, the New York Times published an article titled, If Hillary Clinton Grope Men. The entire article is written in a way that begins each sentence with, imagine if. Imagine if Clinton had rampaged for a week against a former beauty queen and even tweeted encouragement to check out sex tape of the woman, even though such a video did not exist. 
Imagine if PolitiFact had judged 71% of Clinton's statements that it checked mostly false or worse. Imagine if Clinton had boasted on Howard Stern's radio show that in the history of the world, nobody has got more hot men than I have and referred to those men she seduced as her victims. What if she were called a sex predator on the show and she nodded proudly? Imagine if Clinton had defended herself from an accusation of molesting a young man by explaining, he would not be my first choice, that I can tell you. The double standard is so clear. When I was reading these statements, I legitimately imagined a world in which even a woman, not necessarily a presidential candidate, but just a normal woman, did some of the things that were listed here. And if I'm being completely honest with some of my own involuntary bias, those actions, which were all things Donald Trump has said are done, sound worse when they are written to be committed by a woman. It's horrible. But that is the real problem. On one hand, we have boys will be boys and locker room talk. But if the same actions are coming from a woman, she's unladylike, undesirable, impolite, crass, etc., etc. The use of the locker room talk claim as a legitimate defense for this kind of language is incredibly belittling to women in general, but particularly sexual assault survivors. And many prominent women who have stories of sexual assault are coming out as a result. For example, actress Amber Tamlin, side note, sister to the traveling pants got me through those awkward teen years, spoke out publicly for the first time about her experience with sexual assault. Her story was about a time that she had been at a club with girlfriends after recently breaking off a physically and emotionally abusive relationship. When he arrived and saw her, he picked her up with one hand in her hair and one hand holding her vagina and tried to carry her, quote, like something he owned, like a piece of trash, out of the club. Fortunately for her, he was not successful in carrying her out of the club. But grabbing someone without consent in that way is not only assault, it is sexual assault. Tamblin wrote about the extremely painful bruises that she had on the part of her body, quote, which the current presidential nominee of the United States, Donald Trump, recently described as something he'd like to grab a woman by. Even today, many years after the assault, she still felt so much shame and fear by writing about that traumatic day. And there are thousands and thousands of women that feel the exact same way. They carry that shame and fear, which often leads to them not reporting these incidents. Because our society has created a monster that tells men that women are objects to be coveted and owned rather than people. That they deserve a woman's body if they do the right things and say just the right things. I kid you not, I was recently at a bar where a guy offered to buy me a drink and I accepted. And when handing me the drink said, I think I should get a kiss for buying your drink. Nope. No, you shouldn't. Every person that writes off a story of sexual assault or a sexual and vulgar comment that a man says or accuses a woman of asking for it for wearing makeup and a short skirt is part of the problem. The biggest problem that every woman I know faces on a near daily basis. The problem of the constant fear of being assaulted because we live in a society where men think they can take what they want without consequence. When I'm walking down the street on any given day, I carry pepper spray in my purse, keys often in my hand, with either no headphones or just one. All the women I know have these same fears, 
and often play out scenarios in their heads of how they would react should something like that happen to them. Because it very well could. To the boys slash men out there, listen up. Stop treating women like objects or letting those around you do so without stopping them. To everyone else, stay woke. Don't be a part of the problem. Be the person that helps to end it. Gandhi said it best. Be the change you wish to see in the world. If you've gotten to this point in the podcast and still think that the change you wish to see is hashtag repeal the 19th, I'm proud of you for getting this far. Now go and be the opposite of the change you wish to see. Moral of the story, my friends? Friends don't let friends contribute to rape culture. To submit feedback about Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. Until next time, in the words of Judith Lewis Herman, In order to escape accountability for his crimes, the perpetrator does everything in his power to promote forgetting. If secrecy fails, the perpetrator attacks the credibility of his victim. If he cannot silence her absolutely, he tries to make sure no one listens.